Hello and welcome to Audio Biography, where we talk about the music that changed our lives and yours. I'm your host, Richie Wagner, and I am joined again. This is part two of um, our little trek through Beatles albums, and I'm joined by Clint Robinette. What's up, Clint? Hey, it's more like a magical mystery tour. It is. It is. I don't. But we're not there yet. Yeah. No. No. But it. But it is. It is very magical. Uh, it's even more so because we've moved on to now Revolver, which uh, me and you have spent some time talking about on the front porch back during the summer, and was probably sort of what kicked off this whole thing where we decided to start going through these albums and uh, do a little talking. So. Um, yeah, this would have been the album I wanted to do first, but I'm really glad you talked me into doing Rubber Soul first because as we get into this, I think I appreciate Revolver even more. Yeah, um, I was thinking about it. Um, Rubber Soul is was kind of the beginning of the bridge between the days of I want to hold her, hold your hand, and. Uh, that that kind of stuff to what we eventually started to get with Sgt. Pepper and and the White Album. So uh, Revolver kind of continues that, but I would almost say that's not even a bridge. They get like halfway across the bridge, and then they just jump off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, a but, good. But in the but in no, the I best think. way, yeah, the best way possible. But um, yeah, this this album. Um, this is this is the one that a lot of people put at the very top of their list, and for good reason. Um, you know, I'd, anytime, anytime you start talking about the best Beatles albums or ranking them, you find a lot of people, and we even saw it in the comments on our on our last one. Um, I, you know, a lot of times they'll go back to either Rubber Soul or this one, just because mm-hmm. of you know just how wide-ranging everything is you kind of get all of the Beatles uh, and especially with revolver so anyway I I don't know where it is on your list right now but I know you've said that it has been number one before yes um, like I said currently I don't think it's number one at the moment but man uh, just in prepping for this I have listened to it several times and it's just incredible. It, I, it's uh, I'm I'm may I'm just okay. I just keep going back to being blown away. What they how much they evolved in such a short period of time, and I think that is the most remarkable thing about the Beatles. Um, and I, I thought a lot about the timeline of things. Um, you know, they're making this. They're recording this album. And that's and it's at the very end of their touring. Right. They're getting ready to stop touring. Yeah, it's and, it's um, released on August fifth, and then I think they stopped touring at the end of August. That the, the Candlestick show. That's right. That's exactly right. And um, not only spend too much time on this, but the interesting part about why I brought that up is I went. So I have a live recording of them. Uh, live at the Hollywood Bowl. Now, this is, the, those are two shows on that album from 64 and 65. And so that's not quite at 66. They may have been playing a few different songs in 1966 as part of their live set. 
And one of those songs was actually If I Needed Someone off Rubber Soul. But, um, but they were playing just a lot of early stuff. Um, I think they were also playing Nowhere Man, but it was it was so different from what they were recording in the studio. Yeah. And even that last candlestick show, they're still playing all the old stuff. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the covers. And <laughs> yes, those covers, <laughs> um, which they they serve their purpose. They're, they serve their purpose. Um, but what's your favorite? You know, what's what's your favorite? Just we can talk about this for like one second and then get right back. Your favorite, your favorite <laughs> cover. Right. I know it's not Twist and Shout. Oh, no. Why can't it be? (laughs) Well, if you want it to be. (laughs) Let me think for a second. So mine is Long Tall Sally, but just because of how how McCartney sang it. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But no, I would have said Twist and Shout because... um, Okay, I mean, the part that, okay, so that's the one they use in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? Correct. I yeah. think it's the Beatles version of it. I think so. And it's so, been a while uh, since I've watched the movie, but I, yeah, I think so. So I think, I, I don't know if it's because of my love for the Beatles or I love that movie, but it's like when you, when I hear that and see that scene, I'm like, that's the best version of that song. Yeah. It's, and it's not just because I, it, it's partly because the Beatles do it, but it's just, it's just the energy they brought. And I, I love the story of them recording that song. Like John has got like the flu or he's, he's very sick. He's got a fever right. or something. Have you heard about this? Story? Oh yeah. Yep. And he, he's, and for some reason, they thought it was a good idea for him to drink milk in between takes. <laughs> right. And he doesn't have his shirt on. He's sweating his ass off in the studio trying to record this song. Yeah. Here, and I John, thought, drink some crazy. milk. Let's, let's create some phlegm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty yeah, funny That's a horrible that's, idea. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's, that's a pretty funny way to end up recording a song. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so that that is a good pick. But you know, just getting getting back to talking about the end of their touring, I mean, they were still doing all those because that's what all the crowds wanted wanted to hear and scream along to. And of course, all the screaming is part of what made them. Well, just that and just everything being so hectic and not being able to hear yourself on stage. They're just like, we're done. We're not touring. This is oh. it. It's over. And then, you know, revolver. It's piercing and pepper. If you go back and look at those shows, all happen. Yeah, it is very piercing. Um, but you know, if they were still no. touring, we wouldn't have gotten the, the, those later albums um, after this one that, that have all the just kind of avant-garde, eclectic, weird stuff. Because it, they, they were able to do whatever they wanted because they didn't have to go out and. Uh, take it on tour. They didn't have to figure out how they were going to do it live. These days, they could do every bit of it live. But back then, you got to think there are only so many things you could do on stage. That's why they're singing all the old songs. They're just singing all the old, you know, four guys doing a rock and roll song kind of thing. But like you said, here at the end, while they're doing right. that, they're also recording some of the stuff that 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 we love so much on Rubber Soul and and Revolver. So. Yeah, and these songs, you know, you would 
maybe a few of them you could do live, but you know, most of them you can't. Yeah. Unless you just had you know pre-recorded loops playing in the background. Yeah. So just a few little factoids. I I, I always do these on on the uh, pod, podcast because lots of people do. Um, that's not the point of this one. Obviously, this is more about how we feel about the music and and whatnot. But it puts things in context. So. Like we said, it was it was released August fifth of sixty six. Um, it um, was a number one record in everywhere. You know, everywhere it was released, it ended up at number one. Uh, you know, we're usually just pretty pretty much concerned with like the Billboard charts and the UK charts, but uh, yeah, the uh, it, it's it was a monster. Obviously, it spun off one single which we'll get to, mm-hmm. um, and, and the B-side. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, and, and here's the other thing. It, you know, they basically did like they did all of their other albums, which is amazing considering what they did with this one. You know, they recorded it in a little more than a month, a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just unheard of now, obviously, but to think of all the new stuff they introduced here with the uh the backward masking stuff and the mm. the automatic double tracking because you know that was kind of a Beatles thing was the double track vocal where you know you've got you've got it twice and now they figured out this ADT thing and they 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 record it once but use the tape to to do it twice which John liked cuz he hated having to sing his vocals twice you know they, uh. they they made this stuff up um them and george martin and all the engineers and everybody that was there working and that's why this album is so influential to the rest of theirs and then rock and roll in general and then there's the cover you want to talk a little bit about the cover oh man well it's my favorite cover it's just i need to you know just I don't even know where to start. It's so just artistic, and yeah, of course, their buddy Klaus. So much Klaus, to it. Yeah, Klaus Vorman. Yeah, they're, they're from back in the the, the Hamburg days. Um, yeah, Klaus and Astrid. Uh, yeah, he he did all the drawings, and I think it was Freeman who took so many pictures of the Beatles. A lot of those that are cut and pasted in there are uh, are, are his. And yeah, I. I it's you want yeah you want to talk about iconic covers, this one definitely is. Um, you know as have, great as Rubber Soul was, this one just takes it all to another level. Yeah, this this used to back when I lived back in the charter days, and I lived in my dad's condo. I pretty much decorated it like a college dorm room, and I had just dozens of Beatles posters on the wall and this this was my pride and joy it was a full length um revolver album cover I mean this thing was as tall as I was oh wow and yeah yeah I could see it when I was going down the steps to go to the first floor and uh that's what I saw every day so um yeah I was a bit of a fanatic and I still am (laughs) But I wish I still had that poster. Oh, I may yeah. have to buy it again, just put it up down here in my office. Yeah, I would like to have that poster. That, I've got to let it be in an Abbey Road, and then 
one of the old pictures from the early days. Uh, I, I need a Sergeant Pepper, mm-hmm. and I need this too. So, yeah, I could make must have. I could make my own white album poster. <laughs> Just to, <laughs> go buy some poster board. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do it yourself man so, you're yeah. so you could you're so just anyway <laughs> but yeah really really awesome um cover art uh and then of course on the back i'm and i'm looking at mine here it's kind of the guys hanging out and they're they're really uh starting to grow their hair longer and and wearing their glasses and kind of turning into hippies um which also with this record is when they started at doing some experimentation not just musically and that's part of why we yeah. got such such you know great crazy weird different tunes um so we're going to go track by track and with a twist this time well not really a twist we're just going to do it different than we did last time and then next All album right. we're going to switch it up so on this one I'm going to Almost as if you're in it, you're being interviewed. You're going to kick off every song. We're not going to switch back and forth because I know how much you love okay. the album. And next time when we do Sergeant Pepper's, we will flip that, and I will kick off every song. I love it. Let's do it. And of course, I got to say because this is and this is the last time that we will have to say this. We are going track by track through the UK release with 14 songs. Um, this, this is, is the last time we'll have to say that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they they finally started. Uh, it was the, it was the same track listing between between the two countries after this. Um, yeah, so just real quick, and we're going to get into these songs. But the three songs that got left off of the, uh, I guess the U.S. Capitol release was um, "I'm Only Sleeping," "Doctor Robert," and "And Your Bird Can Sing." So. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, all the rest are there. Those three got shoved onto the Beatles yesterday and today, which we talked about last time. Uh, you and I texted about it the other night. Uh, I liked your comment. That yeah. It's a really good mixtape, and then you get to Dr. Robert. Well, I guess that's a little bit of a spoiler, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> well, also, yeah, that one it has what goes on, so I could do, I could have done without that one. Yeah, um, well... I'll agree with that. Okay, so let's uh, let's go ahead and get started. Track one. So I think to really start this off, I really I just want to. Can I do the George thing? I do just, it. Yes. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. I love that. I do I too. Just have to do that. What do they do to his voice so, to make it so low at the beginning? That's so crazy sounding. I don't know. We probably have to be on drugs to understand it, Rich. Yeah. So yeah. But, so tax man. So for, for tax man. So first of all, I love this song, and some people, I, like I hear, like hate it, and I, I don't get it. I, I don't. It's like your uh, your. Do your ears work? Because just listen to the musicianship. Just if if you just take anything away from this song, listen to Paul's bass. Oh my God! Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. I I, I was I listened to it today, and all I could all I dialed in on 
was Paul's bass and surprisingly Ringo's drumming. It's it's incredible in the song. Yeah, we got some cowbell in this. And <laughs> they must have had a fever. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Paul, he plays the lead guitar part are... too. I did not know. Does he really? Yeah. That's him playing the guitar part. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of their little super short songs where there's not really a big long kind of solo or lead, but yeah. From all that, all that I've read and gathered, yeah, that's that's him. Uh, George is playing lead as well. Oh wow! But yeah, but uh, there, a, a piece of that is McCartney. So um, I, I don't even think John plays on it, other than the vocals, the the background vocals. I don't think he plays. I mean, it's um, I love I love you know what what he's talking about George this is a really strong song by George so George has got a really good showing on this album I think he had a great showing on Rubber Soul and just you know you just see him gaining strength through these albums Um, but you know talking about you know they're, they're starting to come in you know they're starting to make money they've been making money but you know George is starting to become enlightened and I, and I think George, um, even though he's the youngest one in the group, you know, you kind of see him leading the group in some ways. Um, and he's starting to get into uh, have a strong influence with with the Indian culture musically, but then later spiritually, or maybe he's already doing that spiritually on this album. Um, but he. This song is strong songwriting, in my opinion, um, and he's just just really good commentary on the, the the crazy tax situation for them at that time. Yeah, just to point um, out, it literally was one one for me, or nine, yeah, nineteen for them and one for you. Uh, where they fell with their taxes, they 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 got wow. they kept about five percent. It was a 95% tax rate. That's why the Rolling Stones left England and went to France for, you know, tax uh, tax haven. They were basically living in France for tax purposes. Oh, wow, I didn't know that either. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I, I don't, don't blame think, them. I don't either. I don't think the Beatles ever did that. I don't, I don't know why, unless it was just like the, they felt like no. they had plenty of money anyway. But um, anyway, I... I always thought, I don't know, 20 years ago when I would listen to this song and didn't know, I always thought, wow, you know, you get one out of 20? That can't be real. That's just got to be an exaggeration. But it's real. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I agree. This is um, I, it's, this is a really strong song and a very strong opening song for for a record. Um, it's one of the better, yeah. Um, you know what? I I may have to say. Let me think about this for a moment. I, I actually think this is the best first song on any of their albums. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. It's it's my favorite starter song because just it just it's so it's powerful and um, it tells you right away uh, what album rocks. And it's different, and um, we're gonna, you know, hit you with some interesting lyrics that have some subject matter to them. 
Yeah. Um, it's strong. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And staying with strong, let's just go ahead and move on to track two, Eleanor Rigby. Tell me what you think about this one. Okay, so, wow. I could just probably just say wow with this song and kind of leave it at that. Um, I had, this reminded me of a story. Um, this is, I mean, this is a Paul song, mostly Paul. I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, how, when, when Paul, you know, he, he would be interviewed, he would, you know, be able to give John some credit for the song. I, I don't know how much, um, Seemed like John didn't have a lot to do with this song. Yeah, I think it was just maybe a little but, bit, um, of help, a little bit of help on the lyrics because no Beatle plays on it. Obviously, it's George Martin got a, you know, a string octet or whatever. It's 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 just them and their voices. So, right, right, um, and it's completely different than anything they had done before. And I don't know. Geez, I don't know if anything's ever sounded like it since by anybody. Um, and and that's a pretty powerful statement. But then when you listen to the song, um, it just sounds not of this world. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just, it's just so powerful and moving. I, I agree with that. Um, the story, I I think it. Um, now I would assume it must have been covered several times by several artists. Um, I can't think of any offhand. I'm, I'm not as well versed in, in that knowledge, but I, I wanted to tell you a story uh, back from my SPS days. Um, I used to work uh, with a guy named Rayburn Leeper. Um, he, I, I, remember, um, I remember Rayburn. Do you know who he is? Yes. <laughs> so I think he... Uh, first of all, he's African American, and he's a he was a pastor, and I think he was just working part time at SPS. Uh, you know, just it's hard to make ends meet just on a, a pastor's or a minister's salary. Right. Um, but I don't know. I would always talk to him. He's such a nice man, and um, I talked to him from time to time. And uh, I don't know why. We got to talking about the Beatles, and um, I was just telling him that yeah, I'm just I'm just listening to the Beatles a lot, Rayburn. That's just that's just the music I love. I'm listening a lot, and he just started quoting Eleanor Rigby, oh, cool. just word for word the lyrics. <laughs> and I don't know why I thought that was so cool, but um, it just the the song. I mean, that's always gonna ring in my memory so i think of him when i hear the song a lot of times uh i'm sure he's probably i would be surprised if he's still living because he, he's I, I don't know he could yeah, very well be living uh, i don't know i don't know if he's still around or not i might be able to find out next time yeah we'll give you an update <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he... i just i mean i don't know like i, I get bad at uh, this sort of commentary sometimes, but you know, the Beatles, uh, they're for everybody, right? Oh, yeah. They, I think anybody can appreciate them. Absolutely. Uh, no matter what your background is, uh, I just think they, 
they just they break through all those barriers to me. Yeah, I love and that. And I just thought that was neat. No, I love that story, and here's why. And, and you know, 20, 20 years ago, basically, right? That's about, I mean, we're looking at, it's a, that's been a while. Yeah, back. that's 20 years ago. And, yeah. You know, 20 years ago, a couple of guys like me and, you know, a couple of white dudes from East Tennessee like me and you who, uh, you know, already have these preconceived notions in our head that somebody's put there even if we've already kind of fought them off all that stuff still sticks in you and you're always finding these weird things and biases that you gotta like kind of kind of carve out of yourself and so yeah 20 years ago um an african-american minister quoting the beatles would have been like mind-blowing to me and I would have come to the same conclusion yeah. you did. The Beatles are for everyone, and that's 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 a great story, right? Um, Hi. this is probably uh, this song uh, early early on, and when I say early on, in my being a fan, that we're talking we're talking in the eighties um, when I was really starting to figure out a lot about who they were. This was my favorite song. And I think it was because of what you said at the very beginning. It's just kind of otherworldly. It's completely different. I try to put myself in the place of like somebody like my dad who would have been 16 at the time. And he's been, you know, the last few years, you know, from the late 50s till now, he's been listening to Chuck Berry and, of course, the Beatles and, and, and the Rolling Stones are coming up and Elvis and just everything going on in rock and roll. I just tried to put myself in his shoes the first time he heard this song from this, you know, this rock and roll band. Like, what would that be like? Because it is so different. And it was not like any of the contemporary stuff. You know, their contemporaries were not doing anything like this. Um, And that's that's what makes it uh, such a cool song to me. And it's part of why they're such a cool band, man. They would just do they would just write whatever they wanted to write and do it well and this is one of those songs it's just it's iconic it's classic it's there's there you know there's not much more you can say and speaking of covers um i think my favorite cover of it so you'll have to check this out is um when aretha franklin did it and she actually got on the oh she actually got on the charts with it too and it's a really good version and and of course i I love old r&b anyway and uh She's she does a very very good job with it. So yeah, if you've never heard that one, you check that one out. I will, I will. Um, yeah, that made me. Yeah, you just said Aretha Frank, Franklin. I thought about Queen for a moment because didn't Freddie Mercury write a song specifically for her, and then uh, that was um, somebody to love. And Brian May said, No, 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 Freddie, that's your song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that right? Anyway, it's I think not a Queen so. podcast. Yeah, I think, no, but I do think I remember that story. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the thing about Eleanor Rigby, um, one, one last bit I think is interesting. Paul claims that he did not write, he did not see the name Eleanor Rigby. He pieced it together. He had a friend named Eleanor. She was, you know, hanging out with them or something. So that's where you got the Eleanor bit. And uh, he says that 
he saw the name Rigby in a storefront, like that that was the name of the store, and he put the two together. But apparently there is a gravestone, is it in Strawberry Field or near that area? And somebody, it says, here lies Eleanor Rigby. Uh, but he claims that he did not get it from that, which is interesting. Now, yeah. He could just be messing with us, but right, yeah, I've heard, I've heard. Both. I thought that was an interesting part about this song. Yeah, I've heard, of, I've heard of both of those stories, and yeah, in, in, anything to add some intrigue. And as we, as we go along, there's, they, they always kept kept things full of intrigue. Um, and, and if you know that they would take things and 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 run with it and really just troll people and so sometimes you don't even know all of the truth uh the books do a pretty good job but even they don't agree on a lot of stuff so so all right man so that was eleanor rigby and we are now up to track three which is i'm only sleeping tell us about this great john song uh i do think it's a great john song so First of all, those are the first John song on the album, but it's, you know, went George, Paul, John. Yep. Um, in my opinion, uh, this is John's strongest album from his songwriting. For me, uh, I love this song. Uh, so John, you know, and reading about this, you know, John... He's kind of kind of a lazy guy. He just likes to kind of laze about. He sleeps in late because he's out late. Um, oh yeah, you know, Paul and tells a story. Go ahead. Yeah, he's admittedly lazy. He he's he he has said it on many occasions. So. Yeah, I mean, Paul would go over there to write songs with him, and he he'd go over there, and John still be asleep, and would be asleep for a few hours, and Paul would just busy himself with something right um so this song is very much in character for john um you know he's like oh i'm always sleeping i'm always dreaming i'm just you know taking it in um and it i don't know i just love this song it kind of it takes you somewhere it takes you um you know, it makes you just want to kind of just pause and and let your mind wander from all the seriousness of whatever you're dealing with at the moment and just relax a little bit. Um, and then you have, and so the other, so this is the first song you hear the backwards guitar. Yes. And... It's a really wild sound, and uh, I don't know. It's just so it's so wild that it just fits perfectly in the song, as if as if it was supposed to be there the whole time. Yeah. And you're like, how in the hell did they come up with that? And how how did they just get to that? It's just amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um... Like I said, that was one of the new things that we no one had really heard before. And then with all of these, you know, the things like the backward recording and all that, I mean, they really take it to a whole other level later as well. And this is kind of the first first time you 
you see it but I yeah I think uh, I, I love what you said about this song just kind of it kind of puts you in that warm lazy happy kind of chilled out mood um, that's a that's just a perfect description for for how that song makes me feel <laughs> And I think the backwards guitar, it's almost like um, it, it's trying to put you to that dream state. Um, oh, yeah. It's kind of like, uh, I just I kind of thought about that. It's um, it, it further enhances that effect. It, it, it just, to, you know, hey, go in this dream state, plug, you know, unplug from reality, let this song take you there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's um it is that kind of song and uh, uh you mentioned that the you know this order went George, Paul, John to start the album and it and it and it kind of I meant to mention that earlier. You you kind of keep sort of a sort of a pattern in this album and of course you know you you get three george songs and a ringo and then then you you've got the alternating paul and john stuff and and that's kind of part of the whole like the revolver thing it's like like a revolving door of course that was also you know i think they were going to call the album abracadabra which would have been horrible and that just went with something sounding oh, like, yeah. like revolver because it's what it's what a record does. It it revolves. It's it's no more than that. At least according to John Lennon. Um, uh, you know, I guess there's a double. I think originally, time. I think originally they didn't want any space between the songs. They just wanted each song to flow into another. Right. And the record label actually pushed back on that. Yeah. But uh, I I do kind of like their their round robin approach to these songs and how they switch back and forth between the members. It's 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 it's, it's a it's a cool way to do it, um, because I haven't I'm not looking <laughs> ahead, but we're we're ready for the next track, which is we go back to George and it's um, love you too. So you know up until this point you've heard some Indian influence with sitar in Norwegian wood. Um, I think that's probably it at this point. Yeah, um, you're right. Yeah. And now you've got full blown Indian music. He brought in Indian musicians. Um, and when I say Indian people, I mean from India. Correct. If I met the other thing, anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, somebody may be listening that may not know that we're talking about, you know, India of the East of you know, of right. Asia. Right. <laughs> hopefully, hope, hopefully but, somebody's um, listening that doesn't know because they don't know the Beatles and they're finding out. I hope us. so. <laughs> hey, we could all learn something here, okay? Um, anyway, yeah, but yes, um, this is George and his classical Indian stuff. Yeah, and he had, it's like when you hear this, uh, it's 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 another one of the situations in 66, how often is somebody going to be exposed to a song that the primary instrument is the sitar? Right. 
uh, and it's the answer is probably zero uh, unless you were into that type of music. And I know that you know um, a lot of artists. I would say, and I would say George is probably out front of this, and and I think later the Who and Led Zeppelin definitely became interested in and in, in influenced by these this type of music as well. Yeah, yeah, they were but, all they all had Eastern mysticism and religious and musical interests. Uh, all of all of yeah, they all ended up doing that. But I mean, it seems like George is out in front of that. And uh, maybe maybe that's not right, but you know, as as far as I'm concerned, he was the trailblazer to kind of bring that into the national attention, yeah, or the world attention. Um, and it's actually a really good song. Um, I I don't know if if it's uh, of all the. You know, John's got a you know a few songs that are all Indian music. It's this one and Within Without You off Sergeant Pepper's. Um, I think I like Within Without You a little bit better than this one, um, but it's um, it's 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 very different. It takes you. It's very mystic. Um, because it's the um, yeah you've got the drone it, of the sit you've got bands. yeah you've, it, it, it's all very droning you got the drone of the sitar you kind of his voice kind of drones um, it's yeah it's 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 almost like a um, put you into some kind of meditative state uh, and that happens again on this album um, just with the droning thing which I love a lot of people don't but I do. Um, no, I love it. Yeah, this, this, I, I, I probably agree with you about within, without you, and this one. Um, I also think, even though it's a different kind of song, Taxman is obviously stronger than this one. But it's a good, it's a good song, and you know, good, good for George. He, he gets two on the first side and and gets three overall, and he's really coming into his own. Yeah, the. I don't know, just the playing of the instruments is really good on this song. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it just, it fits in with this album. It's all different. It's stuff you, you know, when it comes, when this album comes out, um, I, I wrote down kind of a real quick, I wrote down kind of a timeline. Uh, you know, we mentioned that this album came out in August 66. Well, you know, they had just, it's like December 65 rubber soul came out. And last time we talked about in the rubber soul podcast, we talked about, you know, Brian Wilson of the beach boys seeing the Beatles at that time as his rival or his peer that, Hey, I've got to keep up with these guys. So, you know, pet sounds was released in 66, right? And the Beatles love Pet Sounds, right? I mean, it, and I, I love that album too. But just thinking about this short period of time, this album comes out just a few months after that. Uh, and just how different this, this, I mean, this song by itself, you know, you, you just dipped a toe in the water with Norwegian wood with the sitar, and now you've brought in full blown. Uh, I don't even know if 
I don't. I think it was George and his his uh, the musicians from India uh, playing on this song. I don't even know if any of the Beatles were on this song. I, I don't. I'm pretty sure George was not playing the percussion on this song. Uh, yeah. So I, it's did, just, I did look that up, and yeah, I think um, I think it is mostly all George. Maybe Paul sings a little in it. Ringo plays a tambourine or something but yeah this is this is pretty much all george and 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 the other musicians that he he brought but i mean just in again i talk about a short period of time this is this is so radically different from from where they were um you know an album before and george is just George is like, look, I'm unique. I've got unique influences. I'm putting it out there. And it's it's just really cool to, I mean, we're listening to his journey and becoming a strong songwriter. Uh, and it's it's just really neat to see his growth. Yeah. But the, yeah, the, 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 the quiet beetle, the kind of surly beetle, sort of getting his, starting to get his due here. Strong, yeah, he yeah he turned out to be pretty surly later on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's funny when you go back and, and and even even in this time period, if you find quotes from him, um, he 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 is. But like you said later, when he reminisces back on these things, he just kind of he had a way of just really just trying to torch everything. Beatles just just set it on yeah. fire. <laughs> He was scorched earth. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, like George, you know. Yeah, he was kind of the most unhappy Beatle, um, and he, he, a lot of his memories weren't that good, I don't think, and that's why I'm, you know, it's, it's a shame. It is a shame, but you know, it, 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 at least, at least, you know, we got some of these really great songs by him, and it, yeah, even if later on in life, not only did he hate the Beatles, sometimes he hated his own stuff. It doesn't mean we have to. <laughs> no, exactly. All right, so we're going to leave George for a minute and, and go on to the next song that I'm really super excited about. Let's see, we're on track five. You are. It's uh, Here, There, and Everywhere. Yeah, so... Yeah, this is probably one of Paul's greatest songs he ever he ever wrote. Totally agree. Um, so the clever thing about this song is it's kind of, you know, well, I don't think it's really in three parts. It's kind of in two parts, the here and the there, and then he uses everywhere to tie it back in together. Yeah. And it's really cool when you just read the lyrics. I, I just think that's incredibly clever. Um, and, and actually Paul... I think when he when he, I don't think he wrote it for somebody else to sing. I think um, I don't know if I read this. Uh, possibly they were still, you know, some of the musicians they hung out with, some of the circles they were in. Um, they were still writing songs for for other people to sing as well. And um, somebody heard this song, like, oh, I really like that song. No, no, no. This is this is for us. This is for us. This is what we're singing. 
Um, I could be I could be confusing that song with another one, um, but it's it's a great love song. It's mostly Paul. I think I think uh, John helped a little bit, but um, it um, here is evidence, as if you needed any, that Paul is a genius. Um, yeah, you were talking about this, you know, being a, a great love song, and I agree. It and it's it's uh, it's the first great love song by Paul of many of how many, right? Like a ton, countless. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is the first. This is kind of where that all began, and um, it's just it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And as like you were saying, the the cleverness of the of the wordplay. Um, you know the harmonies, just the the Beach Boys influence on this song because it's definitely there. Um, of course, yeah. of course, God only knows is one of Paul McCartney's favorite songs ever. And you know, while this one's not That's exactly one like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's definitely it's easily my favorite Beach Boys song, and it's up there in the probably the top ten for me of of, of favorite songs ever. It just it's an incredible yep. song. So. Paul loving it makes total sense, um, and and while the songs are a little different in the way they're put together, you, you do it, I, it it it's very reminiscent of God only knows to me. Um, mm. the, yeah, the, and those the harmonies in here, there, and everywhere are just absolutely beautiful. Um, it's it's one of those uh, perfect songs. It's just it's perfect in just about every way. Uh, there's there is. I can usually nag about something on a song, but this one I have there's 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 nothing I can say except for it's just uh an awesome song. I I agree, friend. Um So yeah, and speaking of um who's doing what on the songs, obviously this is kind of a Paul song, right? I think um, the reason those those background vocals are so great is because of the work that he and George Harrison put into it. And so, again, here's here's George kind of stepping up, stepping in, and 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 really doing uh, doing more than he's done before. The the kid, the kid of the group, um, right? Uh, and 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 it's it's just kind of neat that 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 him and McCartney got together to make sure those vocals were what they were and and what they were was just fantastic. I mean, I could just sit here and pontificate on this song, but really it's just one of those where I can just say it's great, you need to listen to it. If you've never heard it, you're welcome. Um it's just one of those. It's it's one of those songs. And no, I, we've got I, a couple I think of more. That, I think that summarizes it. Yeah. Yeah, and we've got a couple more here on the on the first uh, first side, and next up we've got our good buddy Richard Stalky. It's a Ringo. Ugh. It's a Ringo song. It's a Lennon McCartney written, but Ringo sings it. Okay. It's it's iconic. It's Yellow Submarine. Take it away, man. All right. All right. So let me take you through the journey of emotions with this song for me. So back to my high school days where I um, didn't like them at this point in high school because of the girl. You know, if you go back to the right. episode, <laughs> you know, I'm pissed off at this girl. You don't like me. 
Um, I'm going to hate the Beatles to spite you, and it's not really going to affect you at all. But whatever, I feel better about it. Um, so this this dude in my class, uh, so uh, I went to Sullivan South. We had um, a talent show in the gym, and I'm either a freshman or sophomore, and I'm not going to say the guy's name but because I can't remember it. I, I think I know it, but I don't want to get it wrong. Um, Buck Futters? He, let's just say his name is Buck Futters for, for right now. That's <laughs> Is that the funniest fake name ever? I think it is. Um, I, I, it's my go-to. Um, he, he sings this for karaoke. Uh, and I'm like, God, this is horrible. This yes. is okay. This... Wait a minute. Let me, let me back you up. So it's high school talent show. He sings, yeah. sings it like a, like to a track. And yeah, he's, and he's terrible. He yeah, sings a song that was written for a terrible singer to sound good, and he was right. still terrible. You got it, man. <laughs> you got it. So, yeah, so, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, if you have not heard the Beatles, to be fair, if you've never heard the Beatles before, then you heard this song, and this dude just murder it. Yeah. I mean, even if it's a Ringo song and you murder it, it's like, I don't know if I want to listen to this band. Is this their best song, really? This is their most well-known song? This is shit. Right. So this is 15-year-old me, okay? Um, now, if you fast forward to today, because of my kids, my kids love this song. Of course they do. They'll sing it. Oh, my God. They'll sing it impromptu, which it makes, it makes me happy because you know why? They're singing a song by the Beatles. Right. And, you know... Hopefully, hopefully, they don't turn on me and one day and tell me, Dad, the Beatles are shit. We don't like them. Why'd you make us listen to that? Uh, I I really hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I don't I, think it will. But, if you if yeah but, if you if if you, if you keep it in front of them and 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 I don't think it'll happen either. So I've I've got my story goes back to a younger me too for this song. And it's, I, I, I was seven years old. So this is probably my very, very first, like, Beatles memory. I'm sure that the first seven years of my life around my parents, some Beatles songs were played, some solo Beatles were played. But this is when I realized, I put it all together because I had uh, a, a teacher. Her name was uh, Miss Shipley. She still teaches. Uh, we're in contact right. on Facebook. Uh, she shares a lot of Beatles stuff to my timeline, and I share to hers. And uh, But she played the Beatles, and you've heard me talk about this before, in class. Yeah. And this was the song because it's a class full of seven-year-olds. What are you going to play to get a good sing-along going? You're going to play Yellow Submarine. And so, yeah, this is my – this song um, – even though it's not a great song and yeah, it's Ringo and whatever, I I adore it because it's my first Beatles memory. And it's probably the first Beatles memory for it's gonna be your kids' first Beatles memory. 
and it's prob- yeah. probably that way for a lot of kids. So, um, you know, while it's it's a little silly and 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 Ringo's not the best singer, and and you know they're throwing him a bone because they always they always did and always had to. You you look at it this way: kids love it. Um, it spun off a movie, <laughs> you know. It, yeah. It, it it's it's uh it's very well known amongst Beatles songs. I mean, the and 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 you know the graphics from the movie that go along with it and the submarine. I mean, it's in it's in the movie yesterday. They've got you know they bring the submarine to to Jack or whatever oh, his no. name was. Um. Yeah. You know it's but it's yeah it's just it's one of those it's one of those songs that almost everybody knows. Um. Even if they don't know that it's the Beatles, and there's may or may not be some of those people out there, but yeah, it's it's just a cool song, and I thank my second year old teacher for having us sing along in class because that really is what you know. Even though there were many years in between where I would be either be on and off with all of it, I always could point back to that's when I started liking the Beatles. Yeah, so I, I'm glad you tell that story, and I'm glad that my kids have redeemed this song for me because, yeah, I, I mean, they wrote this song to be a kid's song. Right. And they, <clears throat> you look at, you listen to it in the background, they're having so much fun in the background. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, I mean, you, you read about, you know, the crazy stuff they did in the studio, the background noises. Yeah. And I mean, George Martin, that's what he was known for. Actually, he was known for, um, I don't know what you even call it. Just, uh, those type of albums, um, where it was recording, you know, just weird sounds or whatever. I mean, just, um, sound oh, effects. Yeah. It was a cottage. Say. Yeah. It was like a cottage industry. There were like, tons and tons of records that were just sound effects and people loved them i know and george martin was one of the best at it yeah and to be able to do that in one of the songs and the beatles participate in it uh i just 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 the stuff i've read they just ate it up and had a ball recording it so thinking about that and just so it's just a fun song it's just supposed to be fun um I've learned to embrace it. I just think everybody else needs to embrace it. Um, and when they, you know, the album they released later on, Yellow Submarine, actually has a, a couple of gems on it. I don't know if we'll cover it, but there's, there's a couple of gems on that album. Uh, yeah, there are. You know, maybe maybe we do like a an episode where we do uh, like like uh, the the movie soundtracks and maybe even you know do like a like a help magical mystery tour um yellow submarine kind of episode where we don't necessarily have to go through all the songs because a lot of them we're going to cover on other albums but cover some of the gems mm. that were only on those albums that might be a thing to do i think I think that would be good. Yeah. So, and I mentioned earlier on that Eleanor Rigby was the 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 only single that was released, and the B side was Yellow Submarine. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I was trying to look really quick. Yes, it was number one. It did hit number one in the UK. Uh, it hit number two um, on the Billboard charts here in America. Um, Eleanor Rigby was number one in the UK and 11 in the US. So this song did better than Eleanor Rigby did on the charts. Actually, I'm reading here, Rich. This was a double A side also. It is, yeah. And and by by proof, you get, you get double number one in Britain. So pretty cool. Um, and it's 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 odd. It was the only one from this album. The the only 45. There was not yeah not another. Um, you know, the next, matter of fact, the next single that was released was an, another double A side, the most, the, the greatest 45 ever, ever put together, Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane, the, the following year. You're not going to find any argument from me on that one. Yeah, it's, and it was preceded it, in, that's, 60, that's right in 66 by Paperback Writer, so... Um, hmm. It's interesting what they started doing with their singles as they start moving into these more album-oriented things. Um, yeah. It's kind of neat to look at. Okay, so we're about to finish out side one. And uh, the last song on side one is She Said, She Said. Man, this is such a strong, strong song by John Lennon. Um, so... Again, this I love this song so much. I do and too. The vocal, Paul, even, the Paul, vocal is so good yeah. to me. So yeah, um, so John's still strong. We, um, I think we talked last podcast about John being at the peak on Rubber Soul as far as his vocals, and he's still near the peak on this album. And this song is one of those indications of it. Um, I just, I just love this song. Now, Paul apparently he's not the on. Story here. goes he's not. He's on not even song. on the song. No, he's not. Yeah, he he and John got in a fight or an argument, and Paul left, and John and George, you know, worked together. George again stepping up. And working together with John and, and Ringo to finish the song out, and it's a great track. Um, I love the guitar. I, I love John. I love the sound of the guitar on John's songs on this album. Um, I'm always sleeping. It's got you know uh, all acoustic and and the backwards guitar. Uh, back, yeah, the, yeah, the the reverse backwards guitar. And this this is just has got a very strong electric guitar sound from the very beginning, and it just kind of goes on from there. And um, I just, you know, he's, he, you know, the the theme of the song is they were at a party. Um, I I think they were doing drugs, obviously. With Peter Fonda, um, their favorite person to do drugs with at the time. Yeah, yeah, and that's Jane Fonda's brother, correct? Yeah. Uh, and he, um, 
John heard some some girls say, or e- either Peter said this, or a girl at the party is, "I know what it's like to be dead." And John was just like really put off by that comment. That must have killed his buzz or something. <laughs> and I think at that, I think I read somewhere where he may have they tried to get that person, get that girl to leave or something. It's like I can't handle this, uh, or, he, or he left or something. So it's too much for him to handle at that point. <clears throat> But, um, so it just kind of goes on that theme for this song. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, the, the lyrics are, are, are very thoughtful and unique and strange. And it's just, it's just John just like, I I'm, he is breaking out of this shell and he started to do it on the on the album before, but now he's just like, I don't care. I'm putting my direct thoughts, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking into a song. And I want to do some really innovative stuff with it. Um, and I, I just, I just think this is a really strong time for John. John is just, um, just really putting out some incredible work. Yeah. Um, I kind of think, I think, I kind of think near the end of, um, I mean, even though John has some really great songs on Sergeant Pepper and then the white album, I think it, I, I, I mean, it's like, it's almost like this was the peak of it and he, and it starts to fade. He's not doing enough with it. I th- yeah. I think this is when, uh, I think this is when he's really tired of being a beetle. Um, and he, uh, after this, he just, he's, I don't feel like he was, even though, like you said, he had a lot of those, a lot of great songs. It just wasn't, it wasn't the same as, as it's just like he lost some kind of steam, uh, not for being John Lennon, but for being a Beatle, I think. And it, what's, what's crazy. You talk about the lyrics and how he's just doing it, you know, putting his thoughts down the way he wants to. I mean, this is, this is 1966. This is like spring of 66. And you think four years later, they're singing, I want to hold your hand, something so super simplistic boy, girl to this song. (laughs) And, and, And of course others, but you know, but this, this LSD influenced song and it's, and, and it is, this is, you know, there's the joke about, do you like, do you like pre-drug Beatles or post-drug Beatles? And because there is a very, very big difference. And yeah, yeah, this is when he really, his mind was opening up and I think he was enjoying himself and he was writing and singing some, this, this is one of those songs that if I'm in the car and I'm listening to this record in the car that, I'm just singing along at the top of my lungs. It's such a good sing along. Yeah. And like I said, his voice sounds so good in this song. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about the lyrics and, and thinking about singing it along in the car. It's definitely one of my favorite sing along songs. And I just, excuse me. <clears throat> and actually, it's one of my favorite. Um, uh, Matthew Sweet. I heard him do a live cover of this song, and it's one of my favorite covers uh, of the Beatles, the way he did it. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever heard it, but uh, I, I, I love Matthew Sweet. Um, 
I do you too. Know, I've never heard that, but I'm writing it down to check it out. Oh yeah, go check that out. Go check that out. Um, but again, when somebody like that covers this song, covers a song like this, it, it can. It's an opportunity to have uh, a new appreciation for it or a different perspective of it. But I mean, I, I already love this song. But when I heard that, I'm like, oh man. He really captured the essence of this song and what what John was trying to do with it. Um, but uh, it, it's just a great rock song. It's just Pete John. That, that's, yeah. that's really my takeaway from it. No, he's he's killing it on these two albums. I said that on the first one, and it's, it's the same here. So that finishes up uh, side A, side one, whatever you want to call it. And we go to side two. And we start out with another very recognizable song to uh, anyone, whether they're Beatles fans or not, and that's Good Day Sunshine. So when I first heard this song, I don't know how accurate this is, but it made me think of a commercial as a kid, and I swear it was for like Maxwell House Coffee or something. Uh, or some other commercial I heard advertising something having to do with coffee or breakfast. I could be totally way off base here. Um, and, or they may have just... Familiar. I think you might be right about that. So, I don't know if it was coffee or not. It was probably something like that. Um, hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, along the, along the time, uh, you know, over time... That you know, companies will use yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, song. I mean, you hear, you could watch TV for an hour or so and probably hear something by the Beatles in a commercial almost. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So I, I, that's when I first heard the song. When I first heard the song, I thought I've heard this somewhere before. Where is it? I've heard it. But anyway, I, so. Uh, so I've always got that stuck in my memory, whether that's right or wrong. Um, but this is just a happy song. Uh, it, I think it's kind of like they were, I think they put, they, they probably had a lot of thought into the order of the songs on the album. And they thought, well, we went from a kid's song to, you know, we, we kind of covered some wild material in that last song where she said, she said, let's bring it back to a happy place. Let's take you to a happy place. Cause we're going to take you some other places after this song. And that's kind of what I think about this, the positioning of the album, which again, I take a lot of value in. I think the Beatles thought a lot about that and how the songs are ordered you know, you talked about the concept of whether it was intentional or not, the revolving door of different Beatle lead singers for each song. You just had a John song and now you got a Paul song. And it's, um, it just, it's just like, Oh, I just, I'm just going to hear this song. It's going to put me in a good mood. It's, it's nice piano. It's, it's, it's upbeat. Um, it's catchy. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far to say it's, Oh, it's such a great song. You know, 
this is the top five ever. It's definitely not that song, but it's just like, oh, it's a nice break. It's uh, Let's just break the seriousness or the, the subject matter and just have a happy song. Yeah, it's 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 well written and it's well performed and and Paul's voice is great, but it's not breaking any new ground. It's you know it's it's a it's like you say it's a very happy little pop song. It's it's you know it's yeah. it's pleasant to listen to. It's you know the the subject matter is quite obvious that you know good day sunshine. You know it's it's um I agree it's not like the greatest song by them, but it's uh, it's it's a nice it's a it's a it's a well-written pop song and you know i'll i'll listen to uh especially early paul i'll listen to his voice on anything because it you know just love it it sounds so good and this is one of those that just it just sounds great it's do i go back to it on purpose like i do here there and everywhere or my other favorite song on this album that's coming up later no i'm 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 not but when you're sitting and you're you know you're spinning the record uh it it is a nice little break in there um it's it's a strong way to start that second side off so yeah i think yeah that's what i was thinking i i thought yeah i agree with you 100 percent that it's a good way to start side two yeah, and it and it goes well with the next song, which we'll just we're just gonna just like go right into, which is and your uh, and your bird can sing. I bet you love this song. I've, I so love this song. Yeah. Uh, I, I so I mean because you know I don't know. I'm just a classic rock guy. I love I love guitar solos. I just love strong electric guitar. And this song hits you in the face with it. it it's this song's not even two minutes long. I think it's a minute fifty nine or something. Uh, I think that's the length of the song. I could be wrong. No, it is super short. So it's, I've got it's two, incredibly short. I've got two oh one, close enough. Two oh one. Okay. All right. All right. Just over two minutes. I mean, I mean, which is typical for the Beatles. I mean, you know, most of the, most of their songs is between two and three minutes um but just hard-hitting guitar hard-hitting great voice by john and great harmonies on the course uh and the break is just they, they change to a different key and john's voice is just unbelievable uh for me um yeah i i don't <clears throat> it's close to being my favorite song on the album it's not actually um but um which now sadly i think john in later years this was a throwaway song for him which is <laughs> again you know, you talked about george just being so negative earlier and, and john probably um seem to be that way at times looking back not all yeah. the time but yeah. but sometimes yeah i don't know why he was down on this song it, it's 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 a little it's a heavy hitter in just a little two minutes you yeah, know I think, um, uh, yeah i think i read that when later years he said that it was a horror <laughs> yeah why? and, 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 that, he, and he also used the word throwaway but horror <laughs> 
That's not what I think of when I think of this song. Jeez. No, I I, I don't either. And I'm sure that you've read this because I saw your um, lineup of books and things, and and you you have now gone through a lot of the stuff that I've I've been through. Um, that uh, the okay. Beatles, that the the Beatles book is every Beatles fan has got to have a copy of that. Um, but yeah, this is that's this is the song that um, a lot of people think, and and I. You know, I I don't think John Lennon ever said it, but a lot of people believe it was about, you know, the the Rolling Stones and kind of how they were their contemporary rivalry kind of whatever and that the bird in the song cuz you know bird is was their word for girls. It's like, you know, chicks yeah. or, or you know, dames yeah. or it was sort of a semi not derogatory but 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 you know, not calling them a lady, they're birds. And so this, the bird in this one is supposedly Marianne Faithful. Um, of course, we we know her from the Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger and that whole deal. Um, right. I've seen other stories, and that's why you you go book to book, you can find different stories about some of these songs. And um, I just like that. I like that story because anything that involves both of those bands and 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 um, sort of their even though they were rivals they were they were really all good friends um they were buddies oh yeah yeah they were they were definitely definitely buddies um they didn't spend what? they didn't spend a ton of time together and but but they you know their paths crossed a lot and when they did they they hung out and, and, and had a good time so yeah i mean um you mentioned the marianne faithful reference some may say it might have been a dig at Paul because Paul was so into the um, the artsy scene in London. And John's like, I, I never see you. You're always out and about. Um, not so sure about that, but uh, it, it's interesting, right? You, you you do wonder, what was he talking about? But whatever it was, it was a horror <laughs> whatever john it was freaking great it was freaking great yeah it's, it, it's I, I had i remember well i remember this um and this was weird to me and i um so back in my downloading illegal music days um illegally free music days um i came across this album it's like the 100 greatest guitar solos of all time so, like, number one was Stairway, and number two was Freebird. I mean, it was very, okay, yeah, that's obvious. Well, like, 36 or some some weird uh, number was And Your Bird Can Sing. Really? And I was thought, yeah, I was like, well, I don't know who made these rankings, but I'm like, props to you for recognizing this short song and the guitar solo that was with it. Uh, I always thought that was interesting, though. Um, again, I don't know how official that was. I don't know who came up with it, but I, I, I actually need to go back and find that because yeah. I would like to get your input on it. Yeah, that'd be because I'm, I'm making myself a note right now. It also had like Kid Charlemagne way up there too, and I was oh, like, hell yeah! That <laughs> yeah, that sounds like uh, a really good list. It sounds legit. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Okay, um, so now we're on to um, track number 10, which is uh, 
the third song on the second side um, for no one man you know this Jane Astor chick she uh, she really twisted Paul around and made him write some great songs yeah for sure um, this 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 song is um, it's just it's absolutely beautiful uh, and the the story that it tells and the way that the way that he tells it and the way that it's written and the way that he sings it you know it's you know we get to this song and we've had just just Paul songs we've had Eleanor Rigby here there and everywhere um good day sunshine and now for no one and we still have another great one to go it's an, it's unbelievable yeah. what you know we we go on and on about John's songs it's just it's I, I can't even believe what they've accomplished on this album it's it's so hard to pick a favorite song on this album it's it's nearly impossible and it's one of those that probably changes all the time just like what my favorite record by them is but yeah love right. I just I know I jumped in on you but I just love this song it's way up there no for me. It's in it's in the same league as here, there, and everywhere for me. Uh, of course, it's more of a breakup song than a than a you know happy love song. Um, it's got the French horn solo in it. That's uh, not something I would normally like. You know, I'm not I'm not like. It's kind of perfect for the song though, Rich. Yeah, it's like I'm not like a horns you know a, a horn brass section guy like 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 this kind of brass you know it's sort of you gotta be in the mood for it yeah like it's but it fits it's sort of old-fashioned but it fits the mood of the song and it, just one more way that they do something perfect so, yeah <laughs> how much do you love this song um, i i love it a lot um yeah, I, I talk. Uh, so I've talked mostly. I mostly give John lots of kudos, and we've already self-professed that we're both our favorite Beatle is Paul. And it's songs like this, you know. While we're while I'm oohing and on about John's song on this, and it's only and mostly because I guess I'm lamenting that John kind of he still produces great it's he still makes great songs and on albums after this but it's like what could have been and then and then at the same time Paul just keeps ratcheting you know he just keeps keeps getting stronger well he's stronger right yeah like right stronger. right now he's building to Sergeant Pepper like right like these those you can see those building blocks going because Sergeant Pepper they all rode on it that that was Paul's dream that was, and we're going to talk about it that next time. And that was that was when Paul grabbed the reins, and he was doing less drugs than everybody else. So, you know, he kind of got his, you know, his vision out there. And you can see, like this song would fit on Sergeant Pepper. I'm not sure where we could. Oh it, yeah. But you could talk. Could totally hear this song on on, on that record. And so he's he's already starting to move in that direction. Yeah. No, I could no, I, I see what you mean by that. Um no, it's 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 strong. It's 
strong songwriting. Um, now, again, it's not a lot of other Beatles playing on this. It's piano, the French horn. Is there any, I don't even know if there's any background vocals. I think uh, it's all Paul. It is. Yeah, I think it's, and, and I think it's just uh, Paul and Ringo and the guy that plays that French horn. I think I think his name is I've lost my name. Yeah. I think his Alan name's Civil. Alan Civil. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> um yeah, it's, you know, and uh, it's funny like anytime it was mostly mostly just Paul, you got these just absolute gems. Um I got a great quote from John Lennon on this song. You've probably read it too. It's in, it's been in mm. different books. Um and it's a just two sentences. One of my favorites of his, a nice piece of work. I mean that's that's actually high praise. That's high praise coming from John Lennon, especially about his songwriting partner's song. So he really liked here, there, and everywhere too. We forgot he, to he, mention that. Yes, he did. And and yeah, both really great songs. But uh, yeah, it's 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 always interesting to see his understated praise. But if he says anything, it means something. Yeah, it, it no, you're you're totally right. It's just it's funny about how John reserved that praise. Uh, it was just John. That's who he was. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to the next song, which I think might be your favorite on the album. It's uh, track four on side two, Doctor Robert. <laughs> no, it is not my favorite. I don't know who told you that, but I want to squash those rumors. Um, this could be the weakest song on the album. It's easily the weakest. And song. it's uh, "Yellow yeah, Submarine" is better. It is, it is. Um, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on this one. It, I, um, I don't either. Other just to to make a little bit of fun of it. It's 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 one of it's 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 this is what John started to do. This, this is the building blocks of John to me, like on some of the stuff like on the white album and stuff like that where yes where he's just trying to do he's just doing like straight three chord rock and roll um trying you know just trying to do old rock and roll old for that time Uh, you know all of it's old now but yeah this I, i this reminds me of you know like i don't know off the top of my head like your blues or something like that or just some of his he really you know, he could write a song like Dear Prudence, but at the same time he could write, you know, some other terrible Dr. Robert type song. Like, I don't know. Like I said, like, the first one I think of is Your Blues. I can't stand that song either, but this is in that. Really? Yeah, okay. I really just don't like it. Um, it. There's a reason he does these songs. He's a rock and roll guy at heart. Um, yeah. Paul McCartney yeah. is a... Uh, composer, producer, musician, and John is the the rocker, and that's 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 where these songs come about. Um, I will never seek this song out to listen to it. I, you know, I I don't know what a lot of other Beatles fans think about it, but I know that me and you talked about it in text, and neither one of us <laughs> care for it, so. I, Hopefully that means we're not in, you know, some sort of minority here. But 
Anyway, it's, a, it's we're, about we're Dr. Totally Robert. We're going to be talking. Yeah, it was a song about a guy where they got their, their, their pills and their, you know, amphetamines and stuff like that from. It's just, you know, it's it's, yeah. a, it's about drugs and, and somebody they were getting them from. And it's, 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 it's simplistic and boring to me. And we're going to go on. Hopefully we're not slandered on message boards or anything, Rich. Yeah, somebody's going to be like, they don't like Dr. Robert? I'm writing you off. <laughs> totally, forever. All right, so we're going to go to the uh, fifth track on the second side, and it's the third George Harrison song that we've been alluding to, and it's I Want to Tell You. Um... So, George, George's, George, most of George's songs are like a fine wine to me. They they get better with age, and and when I say that, I mean the more I listen to them, the more I appreciate them. Um, when I probably heard this song first few times, not not overwhelmed. Um, I kind of I. Like it's not one of my favorite songs ever. It's not one of my favorite George songs, but I do like it. It's got it's got kind of the drone to it. Again, common theme with George, the heavy India influence yeah. with with the drone. Uh just kind of the the you know, same tone. Uh but um it it's kinda got it's got the cool know. hand claps. Um, it's got the hand claps. You gotta love those. <laughs> <laughs> Cowbell hand I claps. I can't knock the hand claps. <laughs> um, I mean, it's got it's just a unique sound, right? It's just uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of just words to describe this song, but it's it's not unpleasant to hear. It's just. Well, it seems like a good time to have this song on the album. Yeah, I, I, and it's you know it's got that um, it's it's got that whole it's got that whole thing somewhere in like uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe the part of the song for people if they decide to go back and listen. Of course, it's probably running underneath us as we talk right now, but the the sort of discordant piano kind of thing you know, yes. you know the part yeah. that I'm talking about that's the yes. best that's the best part of the song um, I, I was thinking about that too that that was one of the standouts for the song is yeah that. yeah it, it kind of breaks up all that other droning monotony kind of stuff and I don't know it's it's my favorite part of the song and it's it's kind of a, a, a neat little neat little musical idea there Um. But I'm with I you. think it's that was not, probably it's not my favorite George song, but it's still cool, and and it's still it's still him bringing something new to not just the Beatles, but you know, pop music in uh, in the West. So they did a lot of this where it seems like the Beatles weren't afraid to, um, you know, the the discordant the 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 chords that kind of clash together. They weren't afraid to do that. They did that on Rubber Soul too. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm like I, I don't know 
about many other bands that openly did that. And, and maybe I'm just reaching here. Well, but... if you look at their contemporaries, you look at their main rivals, competition, you, it, the Rolling Stones, at this time they weren't doing anything like this. Um, right. They, they were just doing rock and roll blues. Now they did stretch out a little bit later. Um and and did you know but even even when they stretched out they weren't really doing anything like 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 these weird clashing things and um you know lots of eastern influence and and, and all of that um but no they weren't afraid to and and again it's just where their minds were going it's where their 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 lives were going um you know they were getting off the road and you're not touring anymore and they saw as they were recording this what things could look like after touring i think they saw all these right. new things that they were doing in the studios all this n new stuff the engineers were coming up with and you got to imagine they were thinking well there's more there's more there's more and of course they did they kept pushing the envelope and that's that's kind of where i think songs like this come in it's it was kind of the roadmap for what do we look like if we're not playing live shows and and what right. it was is they were they're creating pieces of art yeah um no i couldn't agree more but yeah, it's a good it's a good song. It's not like you said, not my favorite George song, and it's probably pretty low, um, pretty low on this record for me as far as if I'm putting them in order of you know, like my favorite or or whatever down to my least. But um, you know, really, I I don't think anything's bad on this record except for maybe one song. Um, so we will. Uh, <laughs> so this is. <laughs> yeah, so this is the low spot of the album, and it's coming up to the apex. Yeah, they. You're right. You've got you've got these. You you have these two songs that that that. Uh, yeah, they're definitely probably in the bottom three. Um, of the fourteen, and now we go to. Uh, side two, uh, sixth track, uh, got to get you into my life. So, a really strong Paul song. Lots of lots of brass in this song. Yeah, this is you know, um, this is him again with his love for Motown. I mean, this is an R and B song. This is black music. It's it's yes where where they're doing uh, traditional type love songs with here, there, and everywhere to the Eastern religion stuff to this. It's it's more of what you said earlier so much different stuff on this album yeah uh and apparently this is not about a woman it's about it, this song is his ode to pot yes yeah. <laughs> got to get you into my life yeah I, 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 I've, I've read that multiple places too so it's got to be true i didn't just see yeah. it on the internet but yeah well it's well, let's hilarious. you know this song. It's '66. What year did uh, Paul get busted in Thailand? 
that let's see. That was during, late seventies, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Or was it Japan? So wasn't it Japan? Where you go? Oh, was it Japan? Yeah, I think it was Japan. We'll fact check that. So, so it, it's not incon- inconceivable that this song's about pot. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, he has admittedly smoked a lot of pot in his life. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I, it's again, I, I like old R and B. Um, I like this is the kind of horns I do like, 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 like soul music horns, rock and roll horns, and yeah. Of course, Earth, Wind, and Fire covered it, and it's hard mm. for me to ever say somebody does a song better than the Beatles. But man, they got close. I would. I mean, I'll still take Paul every time, but it's like a one one right. A thing at least because that is one of the best. I put that in the top I've five. Heard it. I, of, I agree. Of of like, you know, if you do cover songs like a top ten, it's way up there for me because it's so good. Like I don't even mind when I'm listening to satellite radio and that that's the version that comes on. It doesn't matter. It's they do a really good job, um, and it, no, and, it like and it fits who they are. So yeah, no, that's that's right in their wheelhouse. No, I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, Phil Bailey was in Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? Yeah, easy lover. Easy lover. <laughs> so I'm in. Yeah, he's 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 good with me. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into my man crush on Phil Collins in a later episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, just it's a great song. I mean, just Paul. Oh, you, and you get rocking, you, you get rocking, screaming, Paul. You know, at the end, I love rocking, screaming, Paul. Yeah, uh, yeah, everybody. My favorite should. Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he's really, yeah, he's he's into it, and uh, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool when he when he like goes into that little Richard yelling thing that he does, like like he did with Long Tall Sally and so many other songs. I mean, I that's yeah, that's that's the um, that's the Paul that you know I was missing in the '80s and 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 since uh, you didn't get much well, of that like anymore. We were- Right, just like we were talking about uh, the McCartney Two album, um, the the better version of coming up is the live version because you get screaming Paul, yeah, and, you yeah. know the 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 strange screaming Paul version, the same Paul you hear in in Hey Jude and um, you know some um, I don't know whether the songs I'm coming up those are the two songs that stick out for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an it's an awesome song, and when you put it together with the uh, the seventh track that we'll just go ahead and go into, when you put it together with "Tomorrow Never Knows," it's man, what a finish! What a finish to the album. So talk a so, little bit about "Tomorrow Never Knows." So, hmm, am I? Well, it's hard to say this because Eleanor Rigby's on this album, but I don't know. I'm just going to say it. Tomorrow Never Knows is my favorite song on the album. Um, it's it's so powerful. It's so 
unique. It's just got this driving force behind yeah. it, and it's so consistent. It just it's just it's just driving you somewhere. And and you know the way they recorded it, John distinctively wanted to sound like um, he was on top of a mountain and just calling out. And so they they did some some tricks in the studio to record his voice for this song uh, to kind of make it sound like that. And um, the lyrics are powerful. Uh, just um, it, it's talking a lot about just I think it, it's kind of just trying to get you to a meditative state, just to unplug yeah. from the world. Well, it's one uh, it's and, one chord all the way through so that automatically gives it the droning thing and then you've got the tape mm-hmm. the tape loops that Paul kind of controlled Paul did uh, yeah yeah that was that was this this is a song where it's it's John's song but Paul with those tape loops really made a mark on it with him and there was I, some debate about that about, yeah um, I think who, that, who did that yeah, well, I think it was Paul. Um, I know a lot of people think that that John came up with it, but um, I'll have to cite my work at some point. But I, I really think that it was Paul making that contribution. Um, no, I read the same thing. I mean, and it sounded pretty strong. As as Paul was like, "That was my thing." Yeah. Yeah, well, and then in later days now, everybody feels like Paul is a revisionist and, and a lot of what Paul says gets questioned because they feel like he changes the story and the narrative and things like that. But anyway, like you said, uh, it's possibly my favorite song on this record too. Just you want to talk about the song to end it, to go into the you know the, the, the final days, the final few years of the Beatles, this is... This is what they were going to sound like. This is what they were going to be. Um, it's 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 so cool. <laughs> it's so. And again, on an album where you have so many things that aren't like anything else, this one's like even further out there. This is this is where I say they were building a bridge to something else, and then they jumped off. And this is like where they jumped off. And this was, and what's crazy is this is the so, the first song they recorded for this album, if 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 what I read's correct. Like they recorded, is that right? Yeah, they recorded it before anything else, and of course it ends up being the final track. So if you look at it that way, yeah, they were already looking towards the future and changing things up if they're if they're going at this one, you know, first. So I think I thought that was a pretty neat little fact that it was recorded first well i did not know that that is really interesting um you know that they yeah this is the most innovative track on the album this is what they started with um that really set the stage um this this song sounds like what this is what lsd sounds like this song. <laughs> yeah, right. So I've never done any sort of psychedelic drugs before, but I hear this song and I immediately think that, okay, this is what LSD sounds like. <laughs> yep, I've never, never done that either. But yeah, this is, if if I was doing it, this is what I would hear in my brain, yeah. 
um, which is okay. Uh, that doesn't seem so bad. It, it may be a little confusing. Um, it's either that or Revolution 9, um, whichever gets there first. Wow. Um, <laughs> now, this, uh, I love this song. Now, my man crush, he, he covered this song on his first solo album. But, I, I you know, I, I'm, I don't love it, to be honest with you. It's been forever since I've heard that version. I'm going to have to go back. It, it's not... You go back and listen to it, but I don't think it's great. I, it's it's um, not so great. Not he loved the Beatles. Now. I love the Beatles, but not, it's not so great. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to have to go back and listen because, it, like I said, it's, I don't know. I don't know when the last time I listened to that album was. I've got a couple of copies of it, so I'll have to put that in my notes and check that out tomorrow. I don't have that on, I need to have that on vinyl. I don't have that on vinyl. Uh, I have to, to remedy that. I think I've got a couple of copies. I'll look and if I've got a second one, you you can have it. Alright. Well, you're so generous. I'm always about giving away doubles if somebody doesn't have something. I can't listen to both oh, of them. Oh, man. <laughs> no, you can't even stack them on top of each other and listen no, to them. That's just no, not doesn't work. Not gonna work. No, but, okay. Now, so... If it hadn't been for the album after this, uh, so I would put this song as the second best finishing song on an album. Um, obviously, the next album has the best finishing song, in my opinion. Yeah. But we'll cover that next podcast. Absolutely. Um, I agree. But this is... Um, for this album, it's the perfect way to end it. Now, I talked earlier about in the last podcast about how I value how you know the structure of an album, what songs are put where, and this song is perfectly placed. Yeah, like I said, it's a it's 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 like a road sign pointing to where they're going. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the last the last road sign before you get there. It's like. Take the exit. Uh, we're headed to Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, and you know, prepare to have your minds blown. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I can't wait to talk about Sergeant Pepper. Um, but I, I agree. If it weren't, if it weren't for the last song on that album, um, and and, and in some ways. These these two songs that end these two albums are are kind of like brother sister to me, and we'll talk about that next time I'm sure. Um, ah, it's just a it's just a thing because it's just it's it's just like I, I just think because of of and not not that they sound alike or that the subject matter is the same. It's just um, you know, it's just John really at his best and uh, pushing the envelope. That's why I think they're they're kind of, you know, in a, in some sort of parallel in the t- on the two albums. But yeah, we we got all kinds of good stuff to talk about on the next episode. But yeah, this 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 is a good great song, great way to end this album. Um, you know, I just 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 to sort of not necessarily recap, but. To go back to what you said at the beginning when we started first started talking a couple hours ago, it, 
listening uh, uh, listening to this album to get ready for this uh, really you know you, you theoretically in your mind you know that these things are great but if you don't listen for a while or you don't listen with you know like like critically you forget and then when you hear these songs you're like how did I forget how great these songs were like why aren't they more in my conscience but then you know there's so we have so much we have so much great stuff and not just from the Beatles you know it's it's a lot of ends up being a lot of noise and that's what I love about doing these podcasts is because you know for a week or so or a couple of weeks before we do them I cut out everything else and you probably do too I cut out pretty much everything else and only take the time to listen to these you know whatever the record is sort of listen to it critically i listen to it in the car i listen to it on vinyl sitting in front of my speakers i listen to it on my headphones i listen to it on like a myriad of different ways because it's different every time I listen Absolutely. to the mono versions, and I listen to the stereo versions, and we haven't even gotten into any of that. But that's that's some deep weeds. We don't need to. We're we're, we're just talking about <laughs> we're just talking about a band that we love and why we love them and and why we think these songs are great and and then telling stories along the way. But yeah, it's it's amazing going back and 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 spending time with these albums like like they're a person that's important to you. Um, the best way I can say it, yeah. as opposed to background noise or just a soundtrack to the day. So I hope that you have found that too. I think you probably have. Oh yeah, I know it. It's it's really great to go back and focus solely on the album. Whether and and I'm thinking while you were talking there about all the different ways I've consumed the album. Whether I've played it before I go out on a run or um, sitting here in my office playing it on vinyl or right before bed putting on my headphones and consuming it that way it's all different with the same album which is just so interesting and I don't know any other there's not many other bands there's very few other bands I could do that with yeah. That I could just sit and spend the time. I've heard this so many times, but I don't mind. I just want to go back and rediscover it and yeah. just consume it. It's like hanging out with an old friend. Yes. So it's a security blanket, it's so to speak. You know, yeah. it's just this feels safe. Right. Right. <clears throat> All right. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for. Um, Revolver, man, it's it's been a pleasure. We have both been looking forward to this. I've had I've had a good time talking about it. Always fun to talk about these records with you. Um, I, I I can't believe we have so many other great things we get to keep talking about. And um, oh yeah. So uh, I'll just give the spiel for whoever's listening out there. You can find find me everywhere at audio bio pc my personal twitter is at that real richie we're on facebook we're on itunes and podbean and overcast and everywhere you consume podcasts you can get them there spotify um i've noticed a lot of people listen to this on spotify which in the beginning that wasn't the case but 
uh, I think think that's picking up. Um, I think I think more people are consuming podcasts on Spotify now. I don't. I've got an app that I love. Uh, I like the yep. way it works, and I stick with that. But um, I have tried out with with Spotify, and you know, if you're kind of new to the podcast game, that's a good spot to um, to maybe mm. to maybe get started. But yep, find us in all those places. Um, I've also um, I've got some other stuff coming up with other people. I've got stuff in the can. Don't know what order I'm releasing things. I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of build to the first of the year so that start the year strong and and I'm hoping that uh, a more regular schedule. So yeah, just everybody stay tuned. And next up in this series is Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You don't want to miss that one. Uh, that's, oh, that's going to be so much fun. Like, we just did this record, and like, can't believe how great it is. And now we get to do Sergeant Pepper. So, until then, everybody take care. And as uh, our good buddy Richard Starkey would say, peace and love. See ya. Writing the words of a sermon that no one will hear No one comes near, look at him working Darning his socks in the night when there's nobody there What does he care, all the lonely people Where do they all come from? Church and was married alone.